Welcome to the Vox Pop, a podcast of Missio Day Church. We believe everyone has a story worth telling, and this podcast gives voice to those stories. I'm Brian. And I'm Peter. We are your hosts. Welcome to the Vox Pop. What's been going on in the world, Peter? Mm. Well, in my world, I went to physical therapy yesterday. Really, uh, you know, not the lightest hearted of topics, but... Well, that's real life. Yeah, it's real life. I've got a bent sacrum coccyx joint and it's real bent and it's real painful and trying to do whatever I can to heal it. For the non-anatomy people out there, that's basically your tailbone. I have a broken butt. Yes. Yeah, not super fun in my world right now. Otherwise, we've been launching youth group. Yeah. Played frisbee golf yesterday. We played putt-putt tonight. Yeah. Doing all the fun things. All the fun things. Trying to... You create. call it frisbee golf, but others call it disc golf. Is that a geographic thing? Like you're from out west mm. and they call it frisbee golf there, or is it? I'm a plebeian, so I think that's like the the low class way of calling disc golf disc golf. I see. Yeah, I think anyone who actually plays would would scoff at me. Oh yeah, the pros, you know, with their little their own bags, be like, yeah, it's a disc, bro. Yeah, it's not a. Yeah, often frisbee. I'll just play with one frisbee, yeah. one disc, and if I lose it, I have to go home. <laughs> you don't have the drivers and the putters and well i, I have three so uh, i have one of each one of each a sandwich they don't make a di- no <laughs> a they sandwich don't disc. Yeah. yeah we played uh at at richmond hill park yesterday and we played at julian lake julian park two weeks ago richmond hill is a much better course oh yeah i played there once That's there was a group phenomenal. of guys that played a long time ago at missio yeah went with them let's get that going again sure send me an email <laughs> Email Peter if you want to play frisbee or yep. disc golf. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I think they would say frisbee is what you throw on the quad at college, and then yeah. discs are what you with your bros, right? Or yeah, with your gals. Yeah, whatever. Is there a feminine version of bros? Uh, I don't think so. If there is, I don't know about it. The voice you hear today is our guest Chloe Holden. Chloe, what's going on in your world? Got a lot of things going on, but it's all exciting. All of it's exciting. Yeah. I like that. She's not over here, you know, all melodramatic over her Moaning. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just try to ignore those things. There's enough other bad stuff going on. Yeah, that was that's what got me into this problem, is ignoring my health issues for decades. <laughs> well, that's nice. <laughs> you should, you got to show her the x-ray after I will, uh, afterwards. Yeah. And it's, maybe we'll put it on our Instagram page there you go. <laughs> for all the listeners to see. Yeah. It's oh. like a, his tailbone's at a right angle. That's never That's good. That's weird. No. I don't think any of our bones are supposed to be at a right angle. I don't angle. know what no. human bones are supposed to look like, but I yeah, know not that. dog and cat bones aren't supposed to look like that. So yeah. Sure aren't. <laughs> yeah. Now, Chloe, you are recent back to Missio, but yes. you were here during college. What, yes. uh, around what year did you arrive um, in Asheville and at Missio? Day? I started UNCA in 2011, so I think I came to Missio pretty shortly after that, like that fall probably. At the time, Missio was the college church was the it church at that time all the college kids went to so i just joined all my friends and went so yeah 2011 to 2015 i was here for college and i was at missio that whole time and i think became a member probably 2014 yeah somewhere somewhere around around there there. helped with set up and a few other things and was in several small groups so i had dabbled in a few things can we go a little further back yeah um where did you grow up 
So I grew up in the Raleigh area. It's a suburb of Raleigh called Cary. A lot more people know it now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I grew up in Cary slash Apex area. Um, it's where my family still is. My mom, my dad, and my sister. And yeah, went to high school there. I was super involved in youth group. That was like my life. So leaving that was really tough to come off to college. So that was part of why I got into a lot of the things that I did, including Missio, just because I needed like a place Mm-hmm. to be mm-hmm. and be involved and be connected and have people who knew me. So that was a big part of that. Yeah. What was the process like in choosing UNCA? Honestly, I really didn't think a whole lot about college. I didn't really know what to do. I was just like, okay, you're supposed to go to college now. Cool. Mm-hmm. Being the youngest of three, all my siblings had gone off to college. So it was just kind of the next step. And my cousin had actually mentioned UNCA. I'd never heard of it. So she, my best friend, and I all went and just toured. And I was like, this campus is really cool. Like, I could live here. And <laughs> on my list of things of requirements for college, I had to enjoy the city. That was really the only thing I cared about. And one of the requirements was having a Bojangles and a cookout nearby. Yes. So we had both of those. So I mean, there are non-negotiables <laughs> yeah, in this world. absolutely. I was like, I have to live with cookout and Bojangles. I can't live without it. So... It fit that. Campus was really cool, and I just decided to go for it. My best friend came with me for a year, and my cousin did not, which is cool. But, yeah, so it was just kind of like a, this will be fun. This is a cool city. So. Mm-hmm. What do you end up studying? I studied sociology um, and threw in a minor in management just to have, like, a little bit of cushion, but neither of those really go anywhere. So I really enjoyed it, though. I loved it. I would not change a thing. I just wish I had thought a little bit more about the long-term effects of Mm -hmm. what you study in college. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a management degree from UNC Asheville. There you go. (laughs) So you're right. It goes nowhere. I'm just kidding. I mean, they're pretty well accredited. Like, they're one of the top management schools, but... It was actually... I thought it was a really good program, the management side of things. But it's also very generalized, which is good. You can do a lot with it. Yeah, that's the benefit of liberal arts degree. Yeah, teach you general. how to think. Pretty much. Like yeah. you could manage a Bojangles or a cookout one day. I could. If you... I don't think I'd want to do that, though. But <laughs> no offense if anyone does. No. That's a great place. Somebody needs but... to because we need the Bojangles yeah. in the cookout. Yeah. I would probably just eat. Well. I would just use my whole salary to yeah. eat there, so that would be the problem. <laughs> so, good. so good. What kind of kid were you? Um, I was really quiet, which I don't think has changed too much, but... <laughs> Um, no, I, being the youngest of three, I was always just kind of there in the background and all the things my siblings did. And I followed everything my siblings did. Um, my sister's only like a year and a half older than me. So I just pretty much did whatever she did and Mm -hmm. she did whatever my brother did. So just kind of followed their footsteps and did a lot of the same things. I think youth group and like church was the big first thing that I did that was totally different from them. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we, we had a pretty good childhood. We spent a lot of time at the lake growing up and, traveling like those are some of my fondest memories growing up is spending time with my family like that and uh, we were one of the families that would sit down and have dinner together every single night and we still do Mm. Um, and I did not know that that other people didn't do that until I grew up and I was like people were like you sit down and eat dinner with your parents and I'm like yeah isn't that normal so I guess that's weirdo (laughs) I know so I guess that's a nice blessing to have so nice yeah 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 how much older is your brother than you and your sister he is five years older than me and four years older than her okay so significant. Yeah, it was a big job. You and your sister are very close then yes. in age. Are you close relationally? Yes, okay. both. Growing up, we were not. We shared a room, and that was just a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Because she would start to grow up and have her friends, and then I didn't. And yeah, we fought a lot. But uh, once my brother went off to college, she took his bedroom, and we became best friends. And now, as adults, we spend so much time together and are pretty much best friends. So you hear that, Robin's kids? There's a hope, there's a future. <laughs> 
Get it's really just two of them that don't get along, but yeah, Peter's going to work on that youth group. <laughs> little by little. And Chloe. Yeah. And Chloe, that's true. Yeah, I'll be that's there. True. <laughs> now, I know a lot of people who live in the Cary yeah. Apex area, but I don't know that many people who are actually from that area because it seems like Cary's one of those places a lot of people yeah. move to. From the Triangle, I've heard actually Cary's got a very international population now yeah, as well. super international and even was growing up. I mean, my neighborhood was pretty diverse and still kind of is. But the joke is Cary is spelled C-A-R-Y. So people say it stands for the Containment Area for Relocated Yankees. <laughs> um, so that's how it started. Now it's just kind of, in general, there's a lot of people there. But, I mean, there's really no reason to leave Cary. Pretty much have everything. You're really close to RTP and even Durham and other places like yeah. that that are blown up. But it's just, it's too suburbia for me. Yeah. So. Is that Research Triangle Park? Park. Yes. Look at you. It's like one of the number one places to get a job. Oh, okay. Pretty much like in the U.S. right now. Wow. So it's and a big very tech conglomerate and a lot of PhDs yeah. Yeah. in that area. Yes. Now you said that you, what you did that was different than your mm-hmm. brother and sister was church and all yeah. that. Like, so did you grow up going to church or you started going no, to church with friends? Um, Tell us a little bit about so that. So it was never like anything my parents instilled in us or, you know, any sort of value they had, but never really against it either. I just kind of grew up like different. Yeah, that's a good word. Um, and so I had some friends in second or third grade that invited me to Awana's and I started to go with them on Wednesday. It was just like a cool thing to do to hang out with people and make friends and, um, they seemed to really like it. And so I just went and did that and kind of did the whole thing. Um, eventually my parents and my siblings started coming to church too, but that didn't last Mm. really long. So I was kind of in and out in elementary school. And then in middle school, I had a different friend, the friend that came with me to UNCA, who brought me into uh, what's called GAs or Girls in Action. So for you non-Baptist people, it's That's like right. a girl-specific youth group sort yeah. of. For so because Awana is kind of like Christian Cub Scouts. That's how I've yeah. kind of described it. You get little merit badges and yeah. all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. for memorizing verses. And then, yeah, yeah was it RAs and GAs? Yeah, I think? RAs yeah. is the guys, uh, Royal Ambassadors. But yeah. So I started going to that with her because her mom led it and started getting tricked into staying the night with her on Saturdays. And she was like, no, we won't have to go to church. And then we <laughs> went to church. So um, the old bait and switch. Yeah. Her mom was a Sunday school teacher. So I was like, of course you're going to church. So, yeah. Um, oh no, I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> so it worked out. I enjoyed it though. It was, it was still fun. So I started doing that. My sister started coming and my mom, because I was really good friends with her, started to get to become friends with her mom. And yeah, so we just, the three of us started going, me and my mom and my sister transferred into youth group and kind of on from there. My dad and my brother were not really part of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but me and my sister and my mom, probably from middle school for me upward, were mm-hmm. like pretty regularly involved. Would you describe your coming to faith as more of a dimmer switch or like was there a moment of when you knew that you... Yeah, Jesus. definitely a dimmer switch because I had been in and out with church and, you know, had memorized John 3.16 in third grade and, you know, that whole spiel and kind of knew what that was like. I don't think I really saw what people living their life for Jesus looked like till I was in youth group, especially people my age, just being around that and being like, oh, you're the same age as me. And like, this is really important to you. Oh, this is how you look like Jesus in your life. And, and that kind of exposed me more to that. So that's kind of when I would say I started to really more so walk with the Lord, you know, doing mission trips, going to 
whatever country or being in small groups and doing those sort of things. Like pretty much any time that we had something going on with the youth group, I was there pretty involved in because I cared and I enjoyed it, but also because there were people, mm-hmm. you know, and it was just a fun thing to do. And it was, like I said, it's kind of like my place where I had people who I, who knew me and who I knew them. And so that just became kind of my thing for all of high school. And that's when I was exposed to a lot more and I had a lot more of those conversations. But then what really solidified my walk with the Lord was definitely college. Studying sociology at UNCA was really challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, there were times that I would leave class crying because I just had such conflicting views of what my peers were saying and what I thought I had believed and really had to work through that. Luckily, I had some good Christian friends to build off of, but most of my faith growing up was based on my youth pastor and what he said and what my peers also thought. And so college was the first time that I started to kind of question those things myself and define them for myself and was challenged with that. So um, yeah, definitely a dimmer switch and still continually growing for sure. Yeah. I I remember, I mean, I'm just a little bit older than you, Chloe. But uh, even my experience at UNC Asheville was, it was good. I, th- I think yeah. I really enjoyed the education and being challenged. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that was a period of time where I was I was kind of coming back to my faith as well. And it was very difficult at times yeah. to have not only students, but professors who it seemed were not just in sort of apathetic to Christianity, but antagonistic. Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. just this is why Christianity is stupid. I mean, yeah. I had a professor literally say that. Yeah. I'm like, um, no, I don't yeah. think Freshman that's... year, I took a some intro freshman class that you mm-hmm. required to take, and I took the one about world religions. Yeah. Um, and that professor was a professor professor of religion, and he spoke highly of everything but Christianity. So, yeah. yeah. So, so how does that shape you? I mean, as someone who had some church background, but as you said, we're kind of growing in your faith, even during that time of college. How did that sanctify you, strengthen you? Yeah, well, it was definitely challenging. I think it made me question a lot of what I believed and why, um, rather than just taking things at face value. And I was really involved with a campus ministry called Crew, um, or Campus Crusade for Christ, a lot of people know them as. And we did a lot of outreach that just was focused around conversations. And I ended up having a lot of conversations with peers and just my classroom nature, being a sociology major, everything was discussion. So mm-hmm. it just came out that we, you know, would start talking about religion or whatever would happen. And I learned best through conversations. And so that was really helpful for me to learn from my peers of non-believers or even people who grew up in the church and you know, are totally against it now, or maybe just don't feel like going anymore, you know, all stages of that in college and really got to learn from them and hear their perspective of why they maybe left or why they had those decisions. And it just challenged me to think of, well, why am I still doing this? And, um, got to have some good conversations of just like the hard questions. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget. We were doing this outreach questionnaire thing on campus on the quad one day. And we asked them a whole bunch of questions about really generic kind of things just to kind of get your stance on things. And then it turns a little bit more about God, like who or what do you think God is? And that turned into, you know, turn the tables back to me and say, well, do you have any questions for me? Cause I just bugged the crap out of you. <laughs> um, so what do you have questions for me about? And he asked me, you know, what do you believe as a Christian about the person that lives in the middle of nowhere has no interaction with other people? How are they supposed to come to know Jesus? 
And I actually had an answer, and that was really surprising for me at the time. But just having that kind of thought and that question to work through that for myself and to work through that with my peers, because the girl that was with me had never thought about that before. And so just those conversations really helped me process and to know I had peers that were in the same place as me as other believers who were maybe questioning or were processing through it. Um, Just having those people to kind of bounce off of, you know, was that encouragement for somebody to say, yeah, I've thought about that too, but like, Let's work through it, yeah. you know, rather than like just run away. That's fantastic. I know you continued on with crew. Yes. What does it look like differently as a student and then as yeah. a staff person? How does how yeah. does the perspective on crew change or, um, or the the action of yeah how you go about living? Yeah, definitely different. So being a student, I was super involved and just kind of participated in things just like youth group, but transitioned into some more leadership positions. Actually, my second semester of my freshman year, I was on leadership, which is questionable. Mm -hmm. Um, Not because of me, but freshman in college should not be put in leadership positions so quickly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You work with what you got. All right. Yeah, that's fair. Anyway, so really was involved with leadership pretty quickly and got to kind of spearhead some things and help through a transition phase with our staff team and really was kind of the touch point between them and the students my senior year. And so naturally, it just kind of felt right to move into a staff position. And so the way our campus works, everything is totally different now. But at the time, our staff team was based out of Johnson City, Tennessee, and they travel to UNCA once or twice a week. And um They also worked at ETSU, which is East Tennessee State University, and a couple other places. So as I was transitioning from graduating college and trying to figure out what I was going to do next, I joined staff, and that meant moving to Johnson City. So I did that and was on campus at ETSU as well as UNCA a couple times a week. And so it was definitely a different perspective. The two cultures are clashing (laughs) extremely. They're two totally different worlds, even though they're an hour apart college campus-wise at least. A lot of the college students at ETSU, that was the biggest city they'd ever lived in. They grew up Christian because their grandma took them to church, and that's what they did. And um, totally different perspective on faith there versus here. At least at UNCA, you know, most students had a Christian experience of some sort and were pretty much against it now. And they had a lot of rebuttals to come back with you in new scripture and could pretty much you had to defend your faith to them. And so it was, for me, a mental shift of how to reach out to people, how to communicate with people. And so definitely learned a lot just through conversing with the two different places and having Mm -hmm. to switch mindsets multiple days a week. So it definitely looked different, but still very leadership oriented, student leadership oriented. Even being on staff, we tried to encourage the students to kind of take over and do stuff. So I just kind of helped spearhead that some more and then hand it over to the students. Yeah. Wow. Cool. What are the uh, challenges that you would find at a place like ETSU that is culturally Christian? Yeah. A lot of people would, well, one of our first questions would be, you know, if you were to die right now and be face to face with God in heaven, like, would he let you in and why? Just as like a conversation starter, sort of, we don't just like throw that at you the first time we meet you. It's like, Hey, did you want to meet up? You know, (laughs) and we lead into that. Um, Hey, if you die, (laughs) whoa, yeah, not that aggressive, but you know, after having met and chatted we would go into that and a lot of times people would just say um we know I've been a good person most of my life I've gone to church I've you know I think the good outweighs the bad in my life you know those generic kind of answers um because they had just grown up in the church and they didn't know anything else they hadn't been challenged to think otherwise and so that was kind of my heart was to then challenge them to understand what grace is and how grace is an important part of that and it's not just you go to church that's cool 
but that there has to be some sort of saving moment and acceptance of grace for you to kind of move on to the next step with your relationship with the Lord. Um, so it was definitely different there with that mindset. Mm-hmm. It's really challenging. There's a survey that just came out. Legionnaire Ministries and Lifeway put together a survey of Americans mm-hmm. about faith. I don't know if you've seen this, but uh, it's pretty depressing. It's yeah. theological, right? It's yeah. is Jesus the only way, and you know, is the Bible true? And you know, right. and just the number of American Christians, quote unquote, who mm-hmm. answered and have wacky answers. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's it's ironic and sad that you are dealing with largely churched. Yeah. people on the campus who don't even really understand the heart of the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's just it, it shows us that just there's so much work to be done yeah. whether you're talking about a culture like Asheville which is in many ways post-Christian mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh or a place like Johnson City or even more rural communities which uh, are still in some sense um have a remnant of Christendom. Yeah. Right? that the gospel still needs to go yeah. out and be proclaimed because people just don't have ears to hear it. Yeah, in both. Like, I think it's so easy to just go through life believing that there's, I think it's a natural state of things, believing that there's like this cosmic scale. Yeah, mm-hmm. You can outweigh the good with the bad. And the truth is like yeah. any amount of sin in my life is too much. Yeah. <laughs> right. Not to mention that it's not even just, it's not a little bit. It's like, yeah. if I'm honest, it's like, a dump truck, you yeah. know, it's like tons and tons. Yeah. Nobody likes to look at that though and admit that. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Because yeah. we compare ourselves. Well, I'm better than my roommate. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And, and I, I see so much with my generation of like believing that, well, somebody else has it worse or somebody's worse than I am. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of that brush off of, well, it could be worse or somebody else is worse. So I'm not that bad. Yeah. 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 God better be, he should be happy. I'm not worse than I am. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. what? About your personality, do you think in what ways are you made for that kind of work? Um, I think in some ways I am, in some ways I'm not. Yeah. Um, so with crew, I only interned for two years um, and then had the choice to join staff, and I chose not to, mostly just because full-time ministry was really hard for me as a job. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm built for that just because it's not the nine-to-five lifestyle. You know, you take it home with you, and really, with I mean, any ministry, it's that way. You know, um, people could call you at any times of the day, and, you know, you have to, you just finish meeting with a girl for four hours, but now you have to prepare for... Bible study the next day and other materials and other things. And, um, that was just kind of, it wore on me a little bit and I am relational, but I'm also an introvert. So I need (laughs) my time alone and I need my space and ministry doesn't always afford that. So, Mm -hmm. um, that was hard, but I do really enjoy, um, the relational aspects. And like I said, I learn well from conversations. So I want other people to have deep conversations and I really enjoy that aspect of discipleship and mentoring girls and being in Bible study and leading those, those areas. And, Obviously, that has transitioned into more of what I'm doing now with Missio and I'm still somewhat being involved with crew and those aspects. So I've been able to find those ministry aspects elsewhere, which is really helpful to me. But I don't have the obligation of it being my job. Yeah. Yeah. having to do it all the time. Um, yeah. I work nine to five and I come home and it's done. I don't have to think about anything till the next day when I'm in the building. So yeah. For our listeners, what do you do during the day? I work at an animal hospital um, in North Asheville, which everyone thinks is like, oh, you get to hang out with puppies and kittens all day. No. Um, That is a great part of it. Yes, we do. Puppies. Um, Puppies. Yeah. The puppies are fun. Um, But that's a very, very minor part of what I do. Uh, So I work up front. I'm essentially a receptionist. And right now, um, since COVID started, we've been 
just uh, over the phone, uh, curbside service essentially, mm-hmm. and um, our volume has quadrupled. We have really, yeah, about over 500 phone calls a day, and there's four Ooh. or five of us answering the phone, and what? that's just incoming because everyone's having to call to check in. You're having to call if you have any questions, like literally anything. So we've gotten a little, a little overwhelmed, but even on a normal day, we do have a lot of phone calls. So my job is client care, so taking care of the clients, checking them in. Um, and the clients in the vet world are the people, yeah. the owners. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the pets are the patients. So I don't right. do much with the patients. I mostly just work with the people. But yeah, so it's been it's been an interesting adjustment through COVID, doing yeah. this curbside thing, keeping everybody safe. And it's brought a lot, a lot of questions about animals and how they might relate with coronavirus yeah. and, and things like that. And I'm not educated enough on that to speak on that. So yeah. I won't. But yeah, it's, it's interesting. I've learned a lot. I've gained a lot of knowledge about animals, which is fascinating, especially since I have one and um, live with a cat and have a dog. So um, it's been beneficial. But. Now, who are crazier, cat owners or dog owners? I hate to say it, but stereotypically, yes, cat owners are a little bit crazier. Just not always. Yeah, Ouch. But, but mostly. <laughs> Enough. To- I'm a cat owner. Hey, it's fine. <laughs> Brian is a dog owner. Uh, yeah, cat hater. I'm, I'm yeah. in between here. I like both. So <laughs> I like dogs too. Sides. Yeah, we've just had more crazy people who own cats. Yeah, I'll put it that way. I'll yeah. own that. I think generally, <laughs> I mean, my wife is definitely going to hear this, and you know, she's going to be a little bit yeah. mad. But cat no. people are, yeah, like I think a little crazy. I think crazy people are just attracted to cats. Yeah, and yeah. it just. Yeah. It's you never hear about the crazy dog lady. It's always the crazy cat lady. <laughs> there are a few. Right? I believe it. Yeah. I get to yeah, I'm stories sure. all day. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know. Go What's ahead. your Enneagram number? I'm an Enneagram five wing six. Wow. So kind of unique. To the non-initiated, what does that mean about you? Um, fives are very logical and analytical. Um, I don't remember their title, but, um, very investigator Yes, in some circles. Accurate. I do my research on everything. I am super analytical about everything that I do and always thinking, uh, kind of all of those aspects. So, um, it's unique for a female to be a five. It's not as mm. common. So definitely interesting, but it is a hundred percent true through all of the different personality tests that I've done even though they're all broad and generalized, mm-hmm. I feel like I knew all of this and jumped into a five and I was like, yep, absolutely. Makes mm-hmm. sense. Like, no doubt. Yeah. So Chloe, I'm curious as you look, kind of think back on your long, long life so far, Yeah. <laughs> uh, what have been maybe some of the most transformative moments that you've mm. experienced? Yeah, definitely. I mean, transitioning to college, I know we've touched on that a lot, but that was a huge thing for me. Like I said, youth group was a really huge part of my life. Mm-hmm. I prioritized that over everything. And taking these people who were family and I spent just about every waking moment of my life with to all of a sudden have us disperse and go all these different places was really terrifying. I had no idea what was coming next. And so that was definitely a formative time. And then going through college, I would say senior year was definitely formative. Deciding next steps again. Obviously, I'm not a future planner. That stresses (laughs) me out. Mm -hmm. But no, senior year was really formative with the classes I was taking. I think that's when I really hit the peak of just questioning my faith and questioning my life values and the direction of things for me. Um, just some, some capstone classes that really made me question and think. So definitely I would say my experience at UNCA so far has probably been the most formative for me just yeah. because of how much it challenged me every single day and 
I think it really influenced my perspective on life and who I am now. Being in Johnson City, I was definitely like the black sheep of everywhere Mm -hmm. I went, Um, Mm -hmm. just thinking very differently and being from, I guess you could say, a more liberal area and moving to a more conservative area definitely changed my perspective and how people saw me too. So definitely I would say that really influenced who I was and who I still am um, in a lot of ways. And it's what brought me back here. So Uh, Regarding youth group, do you Mm -hmm. still keep in touch with your youth group friends? I do. So some of them are still uh, pretty regularly in my life. One of my absolute best friends, we... I knew her prior to youth group, but we were involved in youth group together. Um, this January, I was in one of my best friends from youth group's wedding. Um, so, yes, still very much involved with them. My sister lives with one of my friends from youth group. So definitely different relationships as we've aged, but mm-hmm. people that I know I can always fall back on. And, yeah. you know, even though I haven't talked to you in a couple of years, I could call you up and be like, hey, will you help me? And they'd be there. So yeah. definitely some strong uh, lifelong relationships and something that a friend from my youth group told me once was friendships aren't so much about the amount of time that you spend together, but the experiences that you shared. Mm. And that is what really shapes your friendship. Even if you don't see each other now, um, you don't have that community. There's still that lasting relationship and the things that you shared and experiences you shared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's Very a lot cool. of truth to that. Yeah. I have a group of guys, other pastors that I yeah. went through a leadership program with, but we only saw each other once a quarter. And now we see each other once a year, but yeah. you know we we went through some very formative experiences together yeah. uh, in that group, and then yeah, that one week a year that we get together. I yeah. mean, they're I'm as tight with them as I am with anybody. And yeah, they're the friends that you just pick up with where you left yeah. off, and yeah. it's nothing different. Yep, and we and we keep in touch, you know, via Marco Polo, yeah, uh, <laughs> the app, um, weekly even. Yeah, but you know, we're all in different parts of the country, so right, it's really interesting. Yeah, and that's what. We've talked. We're trying to yeah. foster that Absolutely. kind of culture among our students. Mm-hmm. Yeah, such a valuable thing. And unless you see it happen, right, you would not even know that it could happen. Exactly. And yeah. so it's an interesting thing and a challenge, but so worth doing. Oh, trying yeah. to plant those seeds. And Absolutely. Sometimes you just got to give it a little push and yeah. show people like, Hey, this is what could happen. This yeah. could be really cool. It seems lame right now, maybe to you, but yeah. it's going to be worth it. Yeah. Totally. Well, and I think, and, you know, back to your former point too, about coming to college and mm-hmm. jumping right into crew and jumping right into church. I mean, yeah. one of the things I've always uh, respected about you mm-hmm. was uh, getting involved and in becoming a member of the church during college because so many people yeah. don't. Uh, they're like, oh, I'm just going to be here a few years or whatever, right. and they sort of never get really involved. And especially, this isn't a knock to campus ministries because we have some great relationships with campus yeah. ministry. But oftentimes, people's campus ministry is their church. Yeah, and it's not their, meant to be that, right? And the campus minister would say that, like, mm-hmm. this isn't what you know. But but the time commitments and yeah. the other things are so much that a lot of students just sort of float yeah. uh, through that and never really get involved. And I, I just really respected the fact that, that you became a member and got involved in community and that kind of stuff. But I think that's, you had that experience of being in a Christian community absolutely, in youth group and knew the value of it. Absolutely. Even outside of just peers, right? Yeah. Having leaders pour into you. Absolutely. And that kind of yeah. yeah. And that was, I mean, at Missio and prior in high school at my church there, just not only having peers, but having older people in my life who were in different life stages and mm-hmm. maybe older than my parents or younger than my parents, you know, yeah. just different places that I could learn from, you know, being in youth group and having a strong female lead who was married and all of her kids were getting married and going off and starting their own lives. And the things that I was able to learn from her 
and um, still learn from her and the relationship I still have with her, um, you know, those things were really formative to me just kind of thinking outside of the box of who I was yeah. and what I thought was normal. Mm-hmm. I think it was during that season. Were you part of Fred and Beverly's? Yes. Group? Yeah. So uh, Fred and Beverly Br- Brinson, who were now at a different church, but were part of Missio for a number of years. I mean, they were in their mid seventies then. Yeah. And what was interesting is Beverly told me one time, cause they, I mean, there was probably what 20 kids or something that would oh, go yeah. to that group all the time, led by yeah. these senior citizens, you know, and they'd stay up really late yep. and watch movies and do all these things. And, and Beverly are just gems, like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so wise and so godly. And yet, I learned so much from them. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And yeah. you know, she told me one time. She said, "I don't have any idea why these young people keep coming to our house." But she <laughs> said, "I think, I think what I've figured out is when people go to college, mm-hmm. they they want some distance from their parents, but they yeah. still need grandparents." Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean that that's what they were for those folks in that season. Yeah. And man, what a gift that was. For sure. That's amazing. I think yeah, one theme that's coming out of your story is that you've put in a lot, but yeah. you you get dividends from that. Like you, oh yeah, you, for sure. You get out what you put in, or more than you put in. Absolutely. Really. Yeah. yeah. I'm just curious what you feel like God is teaching you in this season. Stepping out of ministry, stepping into a normal nine to five job, yeah. coming back to a city that you love. But yeah. let's be honest, it's hard to live here. Yeah. You know rejoining a church that has changed since yeah. you were gone? I mean, what what are what kind of things do you think God's up to in your life? What's he teaching you right now? Yeah, I feel like, especially over just the last few weeks and uh, months, despite COVID, I've met a lot more people um, just through some mutual friends and being able to meet some non-believers. Um, this is the first time really in my life that I have worked directly with non-believers um, yeah. in a non-spiritual or non even just Christian affiliated. One of my previous jobs was still um, a Christian owned family owned company. So this was kind of the first experience for me to really step into that fully to be like Christianity has nothing to do with anything with my job right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's been a really interesting growth pattern for me to go from my life is ministry and sharing the gospel to like, do I even mention the word God or anything related. And so it's been a a growth for me and I've really, I've enjoyed it. I've met a lot of people through work and through other places that have just kind of challenged me to be more open about my faith and see how that, you know, can be integrated into my daily life Mm -hmm. um, where I'm, it's not my job to sit down and have a gospel conversation with you, but how do I do that naturally? Um, Which is funny because that's something that we really try to teach students through crew and I mean, in the church in general, you know, relational mm-hmm. evangelism. Mm-hmm. And now I'm actually having to do it for probably the first time. And you're um, like, oh, wait a minute. This yeah, is it's different. Like, oh, well, it sounded really easy, but yeah. it's not as easy as it sounds. So that's definitely been something the Lord's been working on in me is just being more open and honest. And I don't want to say confrontational, but, you know, having mm-hmm. those conversations and intentional, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been a really good growth thing for me. Just with my job and with a few people that I've met um, here. And most of my friends here are not believers outside of Missio. Mm -hmm. So that's a new experience for me as well. So I feel like the Lord's really just challenging me in that of taking it seriously in my life and really, you know, taking away my identity of my job and making my relationship with Christ my personal identity. And what does that look like in my day-to-day life? Um, And I'm still learning a lot about that. But that's definitely been, I think, what the Lord's been trying to teach me and to solidify it in my own way, my own relationship with him, and then how that translates externally. Well, I think that the 
I heard you say something I think is important because I think it's easy when you're doing vocational ministry for ministry to become your life. Yeah. When Christ intends, whether you're vocationally ministering or not, that your life is ministry. Yeah. We get that backwards. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think, yeah, being able to do this, live your life in a non-Christian environment is allowing your, your life is still ministry. Yeah. It just looks different. You just don't have the title and the pressure of it. Right, right. Yeah. You know, and so you just get to love Jesus in front of other people and see what that does. And then then we'll do something. For sure. So we're going to do a little thing called the lightning round. All right, let's go. All right. We still need that noise. Cacao or something. Yeah. We need something like a crack we, uh, of lightning and thunder. That's not really lightning, but it's a cool song. It is a great, yeah. great song. Yeah. All right. Uh, what's your favorite Asheville restaurant? It was Lucky Otter. Rest mm. in peace. Um, but I would probably say Buxton Hall, hands down. Yes. Mm. That's the right that answer. That little strip is the three best things. You got Vortex, Catawba, and... Buxton Hall, that's all you need in Nashville. I mean, that's a lot of good stuff right yeah. there. What's your favorite thing at Buxton to order? Definitely the chicken sandwich. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Um, but you can't go wrong with anything else. No. It's delicious. Yeah. If you were to pick a night to do anything you want in Nashville, like what does the schedule look like? Um, well, obviously a stop at Buxton Hall, Catamba, yep. and Vortex while yeah. Vortex is open. Yep. Um, and then definitely t- something outside. I really enjoy being at the lake or being around water, but there's not a lot close by. So yeah. maybe you just drive up to Lake Lore or something. Yeah. But yeah. I am motivated by food. So those three things would be a perfect night for me. <laughs> <laughs> What's your worst car ever? Oh, gosh. I had this little blue car. My dad did a part-time job at a mechanic shop, and this guy brought it in once a year just to get checked out every year. That was it. Bought it from him for four hundred dollars. It was my first car. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't even tell you what it is, but it was awful. Like <laughs> you had to step up to get out of the car. <laughs> yeah, man. But did it run well? No. I mean, yeah. My dad's a great mechanic. He's oh. really good at car stuff, so it lasted a really long time. But you just didn't like it. That's a double-edged yeah. sword. Yes. Because then you can't get rid of it. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. He's like, I can fix that. Yeah. Yep. <sighs> he had Fun. it for way too long. <laughs> yeah. What is your favorite? music that you listen to only in private only in private yeah like you know how there's a difference between pleasure kind of yeah like if you have people over you put on different music than you're listening to like when you're working in the shop true i listen to a lot of musicals oh really yeah i would not have known that yeah what are your favorites uh obviously hamilton yes Um, phantom of the opera name is Les Mis, yeah. I've never seen it on stage. Did, okay. she, did you hear how she said it, though? Les Mis. Yeah, yeah. I mean. <laughs> is there a difference between, this is going to, once again, out me as a plebeian, is there a difference between, like, Broadway and musicals, or are those synonymous? Uh, I mean, they're synonymous. Broadway is just, like, the larger production. Okay. And it's a bigger deal to become Broadway. Yeah. So there's off-Broadway, and then there's Broadway, and that's two totally different things. Okay. But there's also non-musical plays that, yes, that, that are make on it Broadway. to Broadway. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. A Broadway musical True. is a musical that just happens to be on Broadway. Are it's most of them musicals? No. No. I okay. went to Broadway for the first time in November, and it was not a musical. Really? Yeah. What'd you see? Um, It was called, oh my gosh. I can't think Cats? of Cats? Was it Cats? No, I have seen that, though. <laughs> um, no, but it, I went because Tom Hiddleston was in it. Um, so. uh, who's <laughs> that? Loki in the Avengers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Dreamboat. Betrayal. 
That was the name of the trail. it. Trail. It was pretty good. Yeah. What's your favorite part of your work day? Lunch when I get to go hang out with the animals. <laughs> we had some kittens in recently that one of our doctors found under his porch. Oh. So I would clock out for lunch and go hang out with the kittens. Nice. And you have a, a dog. I do. And your dog's dog. name is? Beyonce. Yes, that is for real. Yes. Love it. <laughs> I was trying to think of like a clever Beyonce tagline to say, and I couldn't think of a single one. Oh, there's, there's all the lot. single ladies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am a Beyonce fan, and that is why I got her. Yeah. So, but you did not name her. We were talking I earlier. I did not. Yeah. But that was a big reason. It why is I a great her. name. Yeah. She actually had a puppy named Destiny. Oh. And I think it should have been switched yeah. because Beyonce yeah. should have been Destiny's child. Right. Oh, man. But if it was Destiny, her name would not be Destiny. What an opportunity. So. Man. Yeah. It's yeah. a cute dog, though. It's a good way to get dogs adopted. Give them really cool names. Yes. It worked. Yes. What's your most controversial opinion about something mundane? I don't know if it's mundane, but I don't like Taylor Swift. That is so weird. <laughs> not. Why? Well, it is weird that you don't like Taylor yeah. Swift because she's great. But <laughs> we asked this question on an unreleased podcast. Yeah. That's going to be released tomorrow in real time. Yeah. And this is exactly same the same thing, thing <laughs> that Anthony Kirby said. Yes. Us musical people. Like we know. Not, I don't know if he's into musicals, but I'm just saying music oriented people. Yeah. Um, she's a great businesswoman. Yeah. She's brilliant. Um, she's an okay songwriter, but she cannot sing. And I will wow. die on that hill. And and Peter apparently he's a big T Swift fan. Yeah, yeah. So. I offended you a little bit. I had it's something I'm working through. I had a little <laughs> bit of a crush on Taylor Swift and yeah. when uh, I was younger. I think we're very similar in age. Well, we're the exact same age, Taylor Swift and I. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Like same birthday? Well, no. Nineteen eighty nine though. That's like my your year. My year. Eighty nine. Um, well, February, so it's so old. the the I'm old so side old. of eighty nine, Brian. Yeah, well, it doesn't help. I'm still way older than <laughs> any of you people. Um, what would be the title of your memoir? I don't know. I need more time to think about that. I got to research other options and figure <laughs> out, you know, what has already been used. I think that's a great title. I need more time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got to do research first. Do you want to run through yeah. your favorite vacation ever? Yeah. So my favorite growing up, we would um, go to Maine because that's where my great grandmother lived. And now my aunt and uncle own her house. Um, and we were in South Freeport. And yeah. it is probably one of my favorite places ever just because it's gorgeous. There's a lot to do there. L.L. Bean is mm-hmm. there. Um, but their slogan is the way life should be. And I 100% agree with that. It's yeah. like you get the beauty of almost like Canada, like that northeast area. Um, and you get Southern hospitality thrown in there too. Yeah. So it's a really good, um, balance, but it's a long drive. I would fly it now. I would not drive. Yeah, it is long. We were going to go to Maine for my wife's birthday, a particular birthday. I shall not name the number Mm -hmm. (laughs) rhymes with shorty, but she, uh, because of COVID we were going to, you know, going to fly and all this stuff, but, uh, they require right now, uh, a test result a negative test result oh. within 72 hours of your arrival in maine yeah so you have to like That's get a test smart. get the result and then bring that with you um and i just i felt weird about yeah. getting a covid test just to go on vacation so i yeah. decided to postpone that and we'll go another day yeah probably for the better yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. unfortunately mainers though they've got it figured out life is pretty special yeah. up there i mean you do have to deal with a lot of snow 
Hard yeah. winters. See, that's the thing. Like, hard winters. It's really nice. Yeah. In the little time that it's not snowing. And it's June, snowing all the rest of the time. June is like perfect. Like that is, if I could live in that state forever in June, mm-hmm. I'd be there. Mm-hmm. Heaven is Maine in June. Yep. Apparently. That's that like could be your, your memoir. There you go. Oh. That's nice. There it is. Tying it back. All right. Well, Chloe, it's been a pleasure having Thanks. you on the podcast. Yeah, it's been fun. Thanks for joining us. Of course. If you'd like to be a guest on the Vox Pop, you can email voxpop at mdcashville.org. That's V-O-X-P-O-P at mdcashville.org. Thanks for listening. See you next time.